Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello. I am feeling perky. You are. You started drinking caffeine again. Well, yeah, unintentionally, though. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why that happened. Huh? I don't know. Uh, we can go to decaf. <laughs> this is decaf. Okay. Uh, new month, new scares. Uh, welcome to March, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to March. And uh, a, a couple announcements in this. La- and the last one's very important. Lindsay's going to do the uh, last two announcements, and we have an announcement on the gathering. So don't miss that if you're curious about that. Really quick, uh, awesome new tea in the Bad Magic store this week. A killer owl holding a SD, S- oh my God, S-T-D-P. There we go. It's all Scared the hard to death letters. podcast banner <laughs> in classic line art fashion. I think this one's going to be a new favorite, nice and occulty, which I love, and available now at badmagicmerch.com. So you can check that out. And now Lindsay will take over the announcements. Uh, yeah, I have some things to say. I'll yeah. try to be concise because I know announcements can be a little like, huh. This month's charity, month of March, is NOCF, New Orleans Community Fridges. Uh, the donation amount is to be determined. We're, we record several weeks in advance, as you guys know. New Orleans Community Fridges is a collective effort focused on creating resources that empower communities and support voices that are marginalized, helping to remove the stigma around food scarcity. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Basically what it is, is all throughout New Orleans, there are these community fridges and you can go to any of the fridges at any of the times that you need food or drink for, you don't have to tell anybody, you just go, you take what you need. And that's it. It's awesome. And it's so cool. Mm-hmm. I found out about it by some guy that I follow on Instagram, uh, Greg Kata, who's like so funny. Mm-hmm. So funny. You guys got to follow him on Instagram. Um, but if you want to donate a fridge, host a fridge, fill a fridge, if you live in New Orleans and they they paint the fridges, they use volunteers to maintain, uh, you know, the coils and all the things mm-hmm. that makes a fridge run, you can find out more about NOCF at nolacommunityfridges.org. Such a cool, unique uh, charity. Very into them. Yeah. 
And now, and now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hot, wet, bad magic summer camp. Oh my god, you guys are so excited uh, for OG bad magic, bad magicians. You know that we have hosted a variety of things over the years where we've had community members come out to Coeur d'Alene mm-hmm. to hang with us, to just have dinner with us as a community. It's always been so fun. Uh, COVID took that away from us, as yep. it did so many things. And now we are bringing it back with a vengeance, adult summer camp. And by that, I mean a grown-up summer camp. Uh, nothing nefarious going on there. I've had some interesting emails about that. <laughs> uh, tickets will go on sale on March 15th. At 12 noon Pacific time, March 15th, 12 noon Pacific time at badmagicmerch.com. Look for the banner. It'll be really self-explanatory. Camp is August 19th through 21st. If you choose to buy a VIP ticket or August 20 through 21, if you choose to buy general admission, all the information will be there. We're doing some live Q&A. So go back into the social media feeds to find out the things that we shared uh, prior to tickets going on sale there'll be paddle boarding arts and crafts like all the traditional kind of summer camp things but then some very grown-up things like giant beer pong and speed friending (laughs) and in scared to death fashion you can't have summer camp without scary ghost stories Mm -hmm. so dan and i will be hosting a live scared to death the entire bad magic crew will be there us uh joe logan it's gonna be so much fun come you'll get to meet us hang out with us and just hang out with people in the community. So we hope to see you here in Coeur d'Alene in August. Yeah, it's going to be very fun. And Lindsay has been working so hard on it for months now with Sarah, the, the activities planner and friend the of ours. event planner. Event event planner. Whew. I know people get weird about the titles. I, I just don't know that world. So I, activities planner and event planner are the same to me, but I'm sure not to her. So event planner. Right, there you go. Well, there there you go. She'll appreciate that correction. <laughs> she doesn't. She won't know. She won't know. I won't tell her. But it, it is going to be so cool. Food trucks, beer garden, just yeah, really, really cool. Private hosted VIP barbecue dinner for those VIPs. Like, just going to be so awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that it's almost uh, on sale because I know a lot of planning has gone into this. Yeah, it's a year ish in the making. Good job, Lulu. Yay! Thank you, Danny <laughs> Doodoo. Um, okay, do uh, you want to guess how many stories um, I have today? Oh my God, could it be two? It is two. Holy macaroni. How many do you have? I dare you to guess. Two. Oh my gosh, you're a genius. Two and two. Do you want to preview yours first or me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got two stories. Back to Cuba again. I know it feels like we can't get enough of it, but because of a previous Cuban story, Mm -hmm. another one came in that is like, Wow, it's a little bit sad. Actually, it's quite sad, but the mm-hmm. ending is like holy crap. Okay, to, to me, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was I was loving it, and then the second one, possible alien abduction, and I give oh, it. We haven't so, had one of those in a while. I know, and rarely do we get them from the mm-hmm. fan side, and I give it so much credence because of who is sharing this information, which we'll get into when it's my turn. Okay, I'm excited to hear those stories. Um, I have uh, yet yeah, two again, yeah, but uh, switching things up a bit where I'm telling the big one first, which is not how I usually do the order. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of my stories today have Asian origins. First story is set in America, but the ritual carried out in this modern encounter tale comes from Japan. It's a Suji Ora, better known as the fortune game. Super creepy. Okay. Uh, love this story. It's all about how dangerous it can be to play around with trying to open doors into other worlds. Mm-hmm. Second story is set in Hong Kong. We'll visit one of Hong Kong's most notorious haunted houses, the Dragon Lodge. Uh, looking into its history and the paranormal experiences some of its residents have supposedly had there. So you ready to get started? 
I am. I would like to acknowledge that I am dressed for spring. Mm-hmm. And I it, love that dress. And as such, let me just cover up all the bits. I am wearing some flamingo socks. <laughs> Come on, you guys. Spring is upon us. Let's do it. <laughs> is it? I just want it to be. It's mid-February right now, and it's freaking cold, and I'm pretending like it's not. <laughs> Uh, I love, I love, I love the color. I love the uh, the colors that you're wearing. Yeah, Thank you. beautiful. Thank you. Uh, okay, so decent amount of setup before we get into this first story, but a lot of setup that is pretty creepy. Uh, back to the world of mysterious and bizarre rituals. We're going to go with this one. There are seemingly many variations of what's often called uh, suji ora, Japanese in origin. It's also sometimes called the crossroads game, crossroads divination, or seemingly most commonly the fortune game. You can find all kinds of videos on YouTube and elsewhere of people playing the fortune game, people from all sorts of different countries. The prevalence of this game across cultures and continents might have something to do with crossroads being an important aspect of paranormal fo- paranormal folklore all around the world. For some crossroads are where werewolves transform. For others, they're places where otherworldly entities can make their way into our realm. Some believe that curses are more potent when they're spoken at a crossroads. And for many, if you meet a stranger or shadowy figure at a crossroads, there's a chance they could be a demon or even the devil himself. It seems that in almost every culture, crossroads are liminal spaces, places that are neither fully here nor fully there. They're just on the edge of being in our world and in another. And perhaps this gives some of these places some kind of power. Many who play games like Suji Ora do so to somehow tap into that power. But of course, if you believe that there really is something to these games in the paranormal sense, then shouldn't you also be open to the possibility that the power behind these games could be dark, demonic even. And if that's the case, then obviously trying to harness that power could be dangerous. But if play you must, here's how you do it. To play this fortune game, you'll need a comb, some cloth to cover your face, and of course to play it at a crossroads. Play the game after sunset at the crossroads of your choosing, ideally someplace very remote, someplace where you wouldn't run into anyone you know. The game specifies that it shouldn't be a crossroad you're familiar with, not one you pass by on your way to work or school or home. Why not? If this ritual works, they say that you could conjure up something that will follow you and that you could be tricked by some sort of doppelganger pretending to be someone you're familiar with. And if you don't want this thing to meet and then follow you, you don't want it to know where you live. Once you're at the remote crossroads of your choosing, strum the comb's teeth with your fingers all the way through three times. Then say this phrase, Suji Ora, Suji Ora, grant me a true response. And you say it two more times. Suji Ora, Suji Ora, grant me a true response. Suji Ora, Suji Ora, grant me a true response. And then you wait. Be patient. There's no telling how long this ritual can take, but if you notice the air around you suddenly get darker or colder, more than is natural as the night deepens, leave immediately. And if someone you know approaches the crossroads, be careful. Be careful to only look at the person out of the corner of your eye. Never stare at them directly. Try to determine, are they moving strangely? Do they open their mouth just a little too wide? Greet you just a little too enthusiastically? Are you sure it's someone you know? Or someone else wearing their visage as a disguise? Either way, it's recommended you leave immediately. If a stranger approaches the crossroads, then the ritual is working and you may proceed. As soon as you see the stranger, cover your face with the cloth. Do not uncover your face at any point until the ritual is over. When the stranger is close enough to speak to you, you might feel their breath on your face or sense that their body is near. 
though their breath won't be hot and their body won't give off any heat. And now you ask for your fortune. The rules specify to be polite and do not uncover your face under any circumstances. If the stranger doesn't answer your question, do not proceed. Wait for them to leave. Absolutely do not follow them. If the stranger agrees to tell you your fortune, listen carefully. This is what you've come here for. But again, do not uncover your face. When the stranger finishes speaking, thank them for their time and wait for them to leave. Only when you sense that the stranger has been gone for several minutes, when you've given them plenty of time to disappear from your view, only then is it safe for you to uncover your face. And now you should go home, live your life, and hopefully be happy with the fortune that has been revealed to you. The stranger can only tell you what they know. They cannot tell you what to do with that information. That's entirely up to you. Also, in the hours, days, weeks, and months that follow, pay attention to your reflection. In a recent web poll or web forum poll of people who claim that they have played the fortune game, many have reported feeling unsettled by their faces in the mirror afterwards. A majority reported that their faces now looked slightly different, like a bad copy. A minority of others reported something much more disturbing, something downright terrifying. They reported seeing a stranger's face. Oh. And they wished they'd never played the fortune game. They wondered if the stranger telling them their fortune had done so only in order to make some sort of dark exchange. They wondered if the cloth face covering they wore had kept them from seeing their st the stranger walk away with their face. If you play and this happens to you, you should contact your priest or pastor or whatever other spiritualist or shaman lines up with your own spiritual views the best and beg for them to help you. Time now for the tale of the fortune game. Their friends always said that Kyle and Abigail were proof that opposites attract. In college, Kyle had been a total party animal, admittedly a frat bro, the kind of guy who'd be the first or one of the first to do a cake stand anytime there was a keg around, who wouldn't end the night until the early morning hours and sometimes not even then. If there was a rager, he was usually there. By contrast, Abigail was the daughter of a pastor. While she wasn't incredibly religious herself, she still had that baked-in religious mentality. Be good, stay in line, no drinking, or premarital sex. Instead, she was a fan of hiking, taking nature photography, making her own jewelry. It wasn't as though she was a total prude. She was always down to be the DD if friends were out drinking. She just didn't want to do those things herself. She didn't judge anyone else for doing that stuff, at least not consciously. She just couldn't let go and indulge herself without feeling guilt. It was on one such night with Abigail D. Dean that she met Kyle at a bar. They were both seniors in college, looking forward to the future, though neither of them knew what it held specifically. But from one short conversation with Abigail, Kyle could tell that he wouldn't mind changing up his lifestyle a bit for this girl, who was super funny, down-to-earth, and gorgeous. Plus, he felt that magic special little something he'd never come across before, a true spark. He'd asked her for her number, and to his surprise, she said yes. They dated for the next couple of months, and Kyle found new things to love about Abigail. Sure, there was the fact that they didn't get to spend much alone time together, since Abigail was adamant—excuse <clears throat> me—adamantly against living with anyone before marriage, and Kyle had to be out of her apartment promptly by 10 p.m. But she was so kind and caring. When his mom had surgery, Abigail drove the three hours to his hometown to hand deliver her "Get Well Soon" cupcakes, and she was super smart, studying for grad school on all her days off from work. She wanted to go into public health. She was so smart that it made Kyle, who was working at a fast food place while he decided on his next few steps, feeling a little insecure sometimes. But he knew that she loved him. And then there was the fact that they were both into the occult. 
They, had a disco- they, they discovered it one night while they were cleaning out Kyle's frat house. He pulled out an old Ouija board. Someone had probably given it to the frat as a gift a long time ago, and unexpectedly, Abigail's eyes had lit up. He thought as a preacher's daughter, and as someone who seemingly was so against so many other forms of what could be viewed as sinning, that she would be, that she would be repulsed by it, that she'd be scared of conjuring spirits. But she opened up the box and gasped. We had one of these when I was a kid, she said, tracing her fingers over the letters on the board. Then her hand moved unconsciously to the crucifix she always wore around her neck, stroking it like she did when she was deep in thought. My siblings and I used to sneak down to the church's basement and see what we could come up with. We weren't allowed to watch any TV or anything, so we'd always ask the spirits what we'd missed on cable. She <laughs> laughed a little. Never talked anything, though. Kyle grinned. He'd always liked this kind of stuff. Bloody Mary, Ouija boards. He was up for any of it. He'd even gone to a seance once during his study abroad in Amsterdam, but that had turned out to be more of a witch-themed burlesque show, which he did enjoy, just not what he'd expected. He'd never uh, had what he'd classify as an encounter, but he also thought this kind of stuff was just fun to play around with. Want to try it, he asked? Abigail grinned. Over the next few weeks, they used the Ouija board a few times, always trying to freak each other out by moving the planchette with their hands. It was fun to do. It made Kyle feel a lot closer to Abigail also. Made him secretly feel better than he had a that he had a cool go- cool girlfriend when the guys he'd gone to college with teased him about how he wasn't getting any. He never really cared about the teasing and certainly didn't think of Abigail that way, like she was just something to have sex with, but it did give him a rush that they shared something only they knew about. It almost made up for the absence of actual sex. Abigail had hinted that if she knew they were going to get married, she wouldn't mind doing stuff with Kyle, but Kyle wasn't ready to make that kind of commitment yet and didn't want to be that guy and tell her that they were uh, going to get married just so she'd have sex with them. So they hung out, went on hikes, watched movies, didn't have sex, but occasionally did mess around with the Ouija board. Later on, he'll wish that they would have never found it, that they would have never opened that door in their relationship. It's what led to another game he really, really wished they would have never played. He was in the library one day with Abigail, playing on his phone while she studied, or at least he thought she was studying, when she turned her computer towards him and he saw the familiar green text and plain HTML background of a forum website. Abigail tapped on the screen with a fingernail. Look what I found, she whispered. It's called the fortune game. Apparently, if you stand at a crossroads and repeat these words, someone comes to tell you your fortune. Kyle squinted his eyes at the screen. He read the small text about a comb and a face covering, not too many supplies. And they were in a pretty small Midwestern town. If they drove a couple miles outside of town in any direction, they would definitely find some crossroads that would be plenty isolated. You want to try it? He whispered back a little too loudly, ignoring the librarian, now giving him a dirty look. Sounds more intense than the Ouija board. I'm ready for something more intense, she whispered back, sending butterflies through Kyle's stomach. No, he thought to himself, she's not talking about that. But if she was into this stuff, what else would she be into? Come on, she added, starting to pack up her stuff. We can swing by my place, drop off our bags, and by that time it'll be dark. Abigail reached across her desk for her phone charger. Her hair trailed over Kyle's arm, and he had to blink hard to keep his head clear. Was he really that starved that feeling her hair could make him feel like he was about to explode? Okay, he said, almost without thinking. Anything to be nearer to her. Anything to have some time with her. Let's go. They grabbed their stuff, headed to Kyle's car in the parking lot, and went to Abigail's apartment to drop their stuff off. Abigail stuck a comb and two scarves in her tote bag and slipped on a jean jacket. It was getting chilly out. As she buttoned up, she made eye contact with Kyle and said, Who knows? Maybe we'll find something out about our fortune tonight. Like that we're going to get married. And who knows what will happen after that. Kyle made himself laugh, hoping that Abigail was just joking. Looking at the Ouija board on her bookshelf, he suddenly had a bad feeling. 
Maybe it was because he knew that their ritual uh, wouldn't actually give them their fortunes, and that Abigail might just have sex with him out of some crazy belief which made him feel weird. Or maybe he felt out of his depth, like the Ouija board was fine, but something about this seemed a little dangerous. From his glimpse at the computer in the library, the rules had seemed to specify that there was only supposed to be one player. Were they doing something wrong? Messing with what they shouldn't be messing with? Come on, Abigail said, already halfway down the hall. We can pick up Chinese or something on our way back. In the car, they decided on a crossroads a ways out of town, past an old barn where Kyle's frat used to make pledges mud wrestle. Kyle thought about offering to be the one who contacted the stranger, but as soon as the idea came to him, he shivered. He didn't want to have a stranger tell him his future. He suddenly thought about all the things the stranger could tell him. Illness, suffering, even his own death. Okay, I got the scarf, Abigail said when they parked. Her hand was fiddling with the crucifix again. It was nearly dark, the sun disappearing behind the trees, and there were no street lights to illuminate the crossroads. Here, you take yours. You have to put it on, too. He followed to the crossroads, keeping his keys clutched in his hand. Now he was realizing that there were a number of things that could happen to them out here. An angry neighbor chasing him off the property with a shotgun. Even a wild animal could attack them. The wind was picking up a bit, making some leaves on the ground swirl around. Should I stand over here? Kyle asked, glancing around. Or by my car? Please stay by the car, he thought. By the car is fine, Abigail said. Just remember to put your head covering on when you see the stranger. If, he thought, if we see the stranger. If the stranger even exists. He hoped they didn't. In the center of the crossroads, Abigail strummed the comb three times and then spoke... Sujiora, Sujiora, grant me a true response. The wind picked up a little, but that had to be a coincidence, right? Kyle's eyes swept across the desolate road. No one was near them. Abigail, Kyle tried to say, but Abigail was already turned away from him, and he saw her shake her head. Shh, she said, so quietly he almost thought he imagined it. We have to wait. So they waited. Kyle's fingers, still clutching the key, started to go numb from the cold. He wondered, how was Abigail not shivering? Her back was in a rigid line, her head still facing the crossroads. Did he leave his phone in the car? Did he even bring his phone? Oh shit, if his car broke down, it did that sometimes, they'd have to walk miles to the nearest gas station. He looked down the road. It was the same road he'd been watching for 30 minutes now. Dirt path, barn in the distance, dark figure walking... Wait. He snapped his head around and saw it again. A blurry figure at the edge of the vision of his vision approaching them. The figure was hard to make out. Every time Kyle tried to get a glimpse of them, it seemed to morph into someone else. First, it looked a little like the shape of his fourth grade teacher, Ms. Nancy. Uh, they seemed to, then seemed to have the long, thin nose of his fraternity brother, Eric. Oh shit, his face covering. He quickly moved to put the scarf over his face, but it didn't make him feel better. If anything, with one sense taken away, his other senses felt heightened. The air felt colder, charged with some kind of electricity, and then there was a sound beneath it. Soft, dragging footsteps, growing steadily louder. Kyle held his breath. The footsteps grew louder and he swore something brushed against his arm. It was ice cold. His heart was pounding now. And then the footsteps seemed to pass him by and he heard Abigail's voice. Excuse me, she said, her voice a little strained. It was the same voice she used to librarians, professors. The uh, tone she addressed authority figures with. The footsteps stopped. I'd like to know my future, Abigail said. To Kyle's ears, it sounded like the thing, whatever it was, or was it just his imagination, was pausing, deliberating. But it didn't move on, and Abigail seemed to take that as a response. Should I go to graduate school or find a job right now? Abigail asked, her words whipped away by the wind. Kyle thought he heard something like a cough, maybe a dismissive sound, like the question wasn't good enough. He waited on edge for an answer, but there wasn't one. 
And the more they stayed there frozen in place, the more he felt like he'd never be able to move. He wanted to grab Abigail and run, but the whole thing felt silly and dangerous, and he wasn't sure if he could move at all. The footsteps started to move away. Wait, Abigail called. I'm sorry, that wasn't a good question. She took a deep breath. Will I be happy with my life? Yes, Kyle thought he heard a voice say. It didn't sound like the voice was coming from outside him. It felt like the voice was inside his head. You will be happy. To Kyle, it sounded like the figure was about to say something else, something more, something that hinged on an if, but Abigail interrupted. Okay, Abigail breathed a sigh of relief. Thank you. The footsteps started off again. Kyle's whole body felt tense as though he'd been clenching, but he was glad that it was all over. Wait, Abigail's voice again. What about me and Kyle? Well, me and Kyle, with horror, it dawned on Kyle that Abigail's voice was moving. She was following the figure. Out of a corner of his vision, not covered by the scarf, he watched Abigail's hand reach out. Kyle opened his mouth to tell her not to, to tell her to leave it alone, but he was frozen. And as Abigail reached out, his vision exploded into white. Hey! Hey! Kyle opened his eyes. Gray above him, his vision fuzzy. He blinked and realized someone was leaning over him. The figure? His heart started hammering, but then his eyes came into focus. What are you two kids doing on my property? He blinked again. There was nothing mysterious or changing about this figure. It was a guy in his 40s or 50s in a pair of coveralls. Kyle stood up, brushing asphalt and mud from his pants. The guy stared at him suspiciously. You kids junkies or something? Before Kyle could answer, a voice answered for him. No, sir, Abigail said. From the looks of it, she had just stood up a few feet away. She looked similarly disheveled, but also Kyle thought more radiant than he felt he looked. Her skin was bright, clear, her mouth curved into an easy smile, and there was something else different about her, but he couldn't put his finger on it. Sorry, she said, almost purring. Had she always seemed that seductive? That's her car over there. We stopped to look around and must have fallen asleep. The man's suspicion softened, but only slightly. Well, he said, you're lucky I didn't call the cops or shoot you myself. Didn't know what you were up to. Sorry for the confusion, Abigail said, smiling that same seductive smile. And then to Kyle's amazement, she peered up at the man through her eyelashes and said, you know how things get. You lose yourself in a little heat of the moment. Was he hearing her correctly? Was she implying that the man flushed and looked away? Well, I don't know about all that, he said. You kids better get going, though. When Kyle looked down at his watch, he saw that it had cracked. Probably when he'd fallen over, but when had that been? Stop taking at 618. What time was it now? Yes, sir, he said hurriedly, going to take Abigail's hand and pull her back to the car. When his skin made contact with hers, he shuddered. Her skin was ice cold, crackling with electricity. Then again, hadn't they just been lying in the middle of the road in the dead of winter? Maybe it was normal to be cold after that. Thanks for your help, Kyle said as he climbed into the car. Abigail slid in beside him gracefully as though she fell asleep in roads all the time and woke up perfectly refreshed. Kyle jammed the keys into the ignition and sped down the road, happy to leave the sight of those crossroads in the rearview mirror. Okay, he said, uh, once they had driven a few minutes and were almost back downtown. What the hell was that? What the hell was what, Abigail said. That flirtatious thing, Kyle said. Abigail shrugged. It kept him from calling the cops, didn't it? She fiddled with the mirror above her, checking her reflection, and seemed to see something that was displeasing to her. Her eyes narrowed and she turned her head one way, then another, but to Kyle, she looked like the same old Abigail. There wasn't even dirt in her hair or anything. Abigail frowned and snapped the mirror closed before Kyle could get a good look at her, at her reflection. That just, it just really wasn't like you at all, Kyle said slowly. Since when do you know what's like me and what's not? Abigail asked, a teasing smile on her lips. Her voice lowered. Maybe there's a lot you don't know about me. With a sinking feeling, Kyle realized what was different about her. Her crucifix necklace, the one she wore every day, was gone. When they got back to Abigail's, Kyle tried to make himself see things normally. Whatever had happened in the crossroads had happened, but now he was back where things were familiar. Abigail's textbooks, heaped on the dining room table, her collection of Disney World mugs. 
which Kyle couldn't understand her obsession with for the life of him, the fuzzy blanket she'd knitted draped over the back of the couch. Even though he couldn't get rid of a lingering feeling that everything was wrong, he tried to take deep breaths and move past it. I'm going to take a shower, he said while Abigail drifted over to the kitchen. He just needed a second alone, he decided, a second to regroup himself. Then he'd be fine. Okay, Abigail said. She was checking her reflection in the microwave. That was weird. Or maybe Kyle was the one who was acting weird. He truly didn't know anymore. He went to the bathroom and turned on the water. While he waited for the shower to warm up, he undressed, took a few more deep breaths, and got inside. The warmth was immediately comforting, and Kyle ducked his head under the spray, feeling relieved as water dripped down his back. He put shampoo in his hair and closed his eyes, and then he heard the doorknob click. Hello? No answer. Hello, Abigail? The door swung shut. Kyle opened his eyes, soap in his eyes be damned, and heard a slight rustling. Who was it? The figure from the crossroads? The curtain pulled back and Kyle screamed. Whoa there, Abigail said, her mouth curling into a smile. I just thought you could use some company. She was completely naked. Kyle tried not to stare, caught between the immediate shock and lust for the beautiful body that was before him and the knowledge that Abigail didn't want to have sex with him until marriage, or did she? I, Kyle stammered as Abigail got into the shower. Shh, she said, peering up at him through those thick, dark lashes. Her hands crept up his chest. Even though the bathroom was warm, they were still ice cold. Don't worry. Just enjoy yourself. Despite his best intentions not to, he was starting to enjoy himself, but he couldn't get it out of his head that this wasn't Abigail. Not the Abigail he knew. She wouldn't do this. I thought you wanted to wait, he muttered as Abigail soaped him up. And the fortune game didn't tell you that we get married or... It told me I'd be happy, Abigail purred, her slim body pressed against his. Between that and the water pounding on his back, Kyle felt lightheaded. I'm happy. Isn't that good enough for you? Kyle closed his eyes. He hoped it was a bad dream that he'd wake up and it would be the morning. He'd have his day working at his job. Nothing exciting, but also nothing like this. This felt like what he desperately wanted, but also so very wrong. As Abigail's hands dipped lower and lower, he opened his eyes just to make sure it wasn't a dream, that it was truly happening, and his eyes caught something in the gap of the shower curtain, the mirror. In it, Abigail's reflection was in profile, and it looked wrong. The flesh was distorted, shifting, didn't look like her features, looked like someone else's, but not anyone he knew, a stranger's. And then just as Abigail's hand grabbed him and pulled him inside of her, the reflection turned to him and grinned. Kyle screamed and pulled away, stumbling over the shower so he fell and ripped the shower curtain down. Rather than alarm, Abigail started laughing. What's wrong, she said. Isn't this exactly what you wanted? She wasn't going to give you that, but I can. I want Abigail back, Kyle said. What did you do with her? Come on, Abigail laughed. We can be happy now. We can be together and you can help me prove that I'm the real Abigail. Everyone will believe you. What do you do with her? Abigail, or whoever this was, didn't answer, only reached out for him as Kyle clambered away, but the door was shut and there was only so far he could go in the tiny bathroom. The steam was still rising from the shower, making it difficult to see through the haze. Fumbling, wet, still completely naked, Kyle managed to wrench open the door, pull his pants on, and run outside to his car. His mind buzzed with questions that he couldn't find an answer to as he drove. Where was Abigail, the real Abigail? Was she trapped somewhere? Was she now the stranger wandering around waiting for someone else to play the fortune game so she could steal their body? You will be happy. He remembered the voice saying it was like a command. You will be happy. You will be happy. He thought the voice was speaking to Abigail. But had it, excuse me, had it actually been speaking to him? Trying to convince him of something? You will be happy with me. Because I'm going to make you be happy with me. Years later, whenever people, whenever people asked about his relationship with Abigail, Kyle made some stuff up about how they were actually just too different in the end. And Kyle's friends swatted him on the back and said there were plenty of other fish in the sea, offering to set him up with girls they knew, but Kyle never took them up on it. He didn't know what he'd say to them when they asked about his last relationship. 
and sometimes before he moved away from his college town, he thought he'd see Abigail, ducking into a store, laughing with some new guy in her arm, walking into the library, convincing everyone that she was the real Abigail. But was she? He'd started to think that he was imagining the whole thing, that he'd imagined it. But then she turned around as though sensing he was there and give him that seductive smile, that smile like they shared a secret that no one else knew, and he'd think, you will be happy, but only if you tell no one. Ah, where is Abigail? Yeah, interesting story, huh? Yeah. Creepy ritual. Creepy ritual, and that's not quite the ending that I anticipated. I assumed... Like what I built up in my head as we all jumped to conclusions. Sure. Is that they would do this ritual. They would, you know, uh, it would say that they would be happy together, that they mm-hmm. would get married. They'd come back. They'd do the deed. They would get married. Ah. But then that like in years to come. Like, like it would slowly unfold and it wasn't her? Well, or not even so much that, but just that like their like relationship would unravel for a variety of reasons. And then it would just be like, okay, well, the ritual was BS and I'm not happy. And we only got married because the ritual said we should like that. It would just, I don't know. I just wasn't, I, I, I suppose what I'm suggesting would have been very anticlimactic, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just thought like, okay, well, the ritual will cause them to break up in some yeah. capacity, which huh. I mean, ultimately it did, but mm-hmm. where is Abigail? Where I don't say is that. Abigail? And I don't feel like. That was part of the uh, precursor of like, hey, don't do this, don't do that. It didn't say that you, your body, your soul could be snatched away. Well, it, it, there was concern that like the reflection stuff uh, in the precursor and the basically that like... The doppelganger, that's right. Th- yeah, that the stranger could kind of take your take your face. Well, I was thinking more like doppelganger, like there would be a duplicate of you made, not mm. you would be... You would be... Ixnate. Switched with the stranger. Oh, and that was interesting... Uh, at the end when Kyle was saying that like he wondered if she is now the stranger. That's a very... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, speculation? Yeah, it's like quite the thought to kind of follow of like, oh my God, is that what happens? It's just a constant swapping. So if yeah. someone else does this ritual and then Abigail becomes that person and now that person is out and it's just like a constant rotation. I don't know. Weird. 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 You got the burps? You know, well, I, I just uh, have been eating less in the mornings. Are you so hungry right now? No, the coffee on, on a more oh. of an empty stomach gives me just, uh, I guess, indigestion. I don't know. It just makes yeah. me a little bit burry. I'm fine. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's only annoying when you're trying to tell a story. That's probably the only time it happens. <clears throat> True. You're probably, exactly. you're probably fine. Turn these microphones <laughs> off and it would just go away. <laughs> I know there is something with that. Uh, your body trying to put on a performance. Yeah. Okay. Do you have pictures? I do. I, I mean, nothing comes from, you know, the this story, but mm-hmm. uh, this first picture is an illustration that comes up in a lot of articles about the fortune game. So author unknown. I like that it's more of like a face shield. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That person, yep, guarding uh-huh. their face as a stranger comes to meet them at the crossroads. And then just one more creepy image from a German article on this game, a shadowy shape walking towards uh, crossroads again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's, there's quite a bit written about it, and there's quite a, a few videos of people talking about it. Oh, really? Mm, I'd never heard of it before, but... People who have done it and survived it kind of thing? Uh, or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh. that's what they claim. Mm-hmm. Or, people, or people videotaping themselves doing it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you watch any of those? I did. So and, nothing weird happened. And the people taping themselves doing it nothing happened seemed to happen to them oh okay all right uh i was surprised that you picked this story because it has doppelgangers and mirrors which are two of your least favorite things <laughs> yeah I, it gave me uh, it creeped me out you know it's very um i know it uh feels very like creepy pasta mm-hmm. but i like a good creepy pasta mm-hmm. and so yeah going with that suspension of disbelief it's like i don't know i wasn't there and it's just i, I just like this story it mm-hmm. just gave me the chills when i was uh going over it and kind of like smoothing out the narrative 
Yeah, I definitely had a lot of chills, and then I got a weird sound in my ear. Mm-hmm. And I was sure that Joe was messing around with my in ears, but I don't think so. But it was like a <sighs> in my ear, which I did mm-hmm. not care for. It. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw me kind of like Ugh. I did. Yeah, yeah. It was just really, really bizarre. Uh, <laughs> okay, question of the day. Yeah. At summer camp this summer, mm-hmm. there's like you know creepy roads, crossroads. Would you dare to do this? Out in the middle of nowhere. Well, you got to do it by yourself. I mean, or like you're supposed yeah. to just be alone. So no, I'm not. Gonna, I mean, not not like during the summer camp because it's like witnesses would make it weird. I don't think that's how you're supposed to play the game. You're supposed to go to a crossroads where you don't. Yeah, because actually you are. You're supposed to go to a crossroads where you don't recognize anybody. Like where no one you would recognize from life would sh- suddenly appear. Well, we'll to you. all stay far away. We'll just send you out there to do it. <laughs> no, I think I'm gonna be busy with other activities. Okay. <laughs> oh, not that activity. I'm sorry. <laughs> <sighs> okay okay well it's it's fine i would know if it wasn't you anyways okay. if they took you yeah you think I, you'd uh, spot the doppelganger immediately mm-hmm. i know you and your mannerisms oh so well okay you're a very particular kind of creature i don't think someone could really duplicate you <laughs> oh man that's a compliment okay good okay <laughs> do you want to tell me another story yeah you want to uh, head to hong kong now yeah that was really creepy like that really i had a lot of moments of like oh i don't don't like this. Good. I'm, I'm very often don't like your stories. Off to Dragon Lodge we go after a quick word from our sponsors. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards, we have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Thanks for listening, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you heard some deals that interested you. 
decent amount of uh, setup, uh, you know, with this one. So time to settle in before the scares come. Uh, by the early 20th century, Victoria Peak had become a popular location for some of Hong Kong's wealthier European residents to settle down in. With an elevation of just over 1,800 feet, the peak rises above the ocean uh, below and provides a remarkable view of Victoria Harbor. And the roads winding up Victoria Peak soon became full of elaborate pre-war mansions on massive lots. You could tell just by looking up from the neighborhoods below that anyone living up there had money. The residence now known as Dragon Lodge was one of these grand estates on this peak. Built in 1921 on 32 Lugard Road, it was constructed to be another fabulous addition to the area's extravagant homes. The current company that owns Dragon Lodge says that the house was originally built by General Long Wan, whose name contains the character for the dragon, which is how the lodge, of course, got its name. The formerly grand home stands three stories high with vast rooms framed by beautifully built archways and pillars. Dragon Lodge was once truly a sight to behold. The grounds consist of a main house with a huge attic space, staff quarters, and even a small art studio. There's also a once beautifully manicured, manicured garden with an amazing view of the harbor below. Now, though, the garden and all the buildings are in a state of decay, covered in graffiti or marked by years of neglect. Not much is known about the original owner, except that he went bankrupt. His grand home certainly didn't add to his fortune. Maybe it was already haunted then and it drove him mad. The second owner is said to have died in the house, circumstances of their death not known. Maybe the house drove them mad as well. During World War II, the building was occupied by Japanese soldiers who wanted the house for its advantageous defensive view of the harbor. Local lore claims that these soldiers decapitated several women, Catholic nuns associated with the house in some way in the front yard. And if the haunting of this property didn't start with these murders, they certainly seem to have added to the haunting. Following the war, according to a newspaper account, uh, a man named Gerald Blitz, no, excuse me, Gerard Blitz, grew up in the house. He recalled his family renting it from a man named Tom Mun Long, a building contractor who owned it from 1945 to 1952. It's not known why Tom then chose to sell the house and why he never lived there himself. After the Blitz family moved out, the building sat unoccupied until the 1970s, when it briefly became a home again. Time now for the tale of the spirits of Hong Kong's Dragon Lodge. Azaiwa, the woman who bought the house, was eager to move into the beautiful mansion. By the time she'd purchased it, it was run down, but not in a state of complete disrepair. She was excited to fix things up, add a few modern touches. She was proud to move into a home in a wealthy neighborhood she daydreamed about living in growing up. She'd, lived, uh, she'd live alone in this massive house, and from the very beginning, unfortunately, it would not bring her the joy she'd hoped it would. Her very first nights in the mansion were troubled. She felt continually anxious. It would take her hours to fall asleep. She'd jump at the slightest sounds. The giant home felt ominous, when she was alone and inside in the dark. When she was able to fall asleep, she slept fitfully, waking up every few hours, never truly feeling rested. And she could never shake the sense that someone was watching her. And then one night, no more than a week into her stay, Aziwa woke up to the sound of crying. She would write in a blog many years later, there was something very sorrowful about the child as she seemed to be asking for help. Since she lived alone, she knew the sound wasn't coming from anyone who was supposed to be there. At first, she wondered if some local child had wandered inside. Was the girl one of her neighbor's children? Perhaps she'd snuck out of her house to play and gotten lost. Aziwa was scared that this was not the um, guest. Wait, sorry. I don't know. <laughs> Confused myself. Uh, Aziwa was scared that this was um, not. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I have one little typo and I have no idea what I was trying to say. Was not a welcomed guest. 
Yeah, was at first she wondered if some local child had wandered inside. Was the girl perhaps she snuck out of the house, playing gun lost? She was scared that this. Was, oh, n- not the case. I meant to say <laughs> right, say case, and I put guess. That really threw me. Uh, but she was also concerned enough by this possibility that she got out of bed and searched the house. She found nothing and convinced herself that it had all been a strange dream. She went back to bed and slept fitfully the rest of the night. Several times, Aziwa woke again, swearing she could hear the faint sounds of crying echoing in the distance. The next night, the same noise woke her again. It was louder this time. It sounded so real, so specifically like the cries of a scared little girl. Again, she searched the house and found no one. She also went outside and searched the uh, grounds there to no avail. Eventually, she was able to once again fall back asleep. This crying continued to torment Aziwa night after night. She soon felt herself wandering around in a daze during the day, starting to wonder if she was going insane from this torment, from her lack of sleep. And then one afternoon, while she was working in her garden, she heard the cry again. It was the first time she'd heard it during the day. It sounded like a crying child was right behind her this time. She felt a pain in the girl's voice tear through her heart. She spun around to see if she could finally witness this child, which by now, unsurprisingly, she was convinced was a ghost. But she wanted visual confirmation to see the source of the noises that had been tormenting her. And when she turned around, she saw something, but it was no crying child. She felt a chill spread throughout her entire body. She opened her mouth to scream, but no sound came out. Aziwa wanted to run, but her muscles felt locked in place. Standing there right in front of her was the image of not a child, but a nun. A nun who didn't hold a solid form like an actual human would. She was slightly transparent, fading into tendrils of mist at her edges. Aziwa said this apparition was covered in blood and that her mouth was hanging open in a silent scream. The pain in her eyes was palpable. Then, a moment later, Aziwa watched in horror as the nun's head slowly faded into nothing, leaving her only a floating body standing right in front of her. She again wanted to scream, but still couldn't. She felt paralyzed. The nun's headless body soon vanished into nothing, just like her head dissipating like mist blown away by the wind. Her vanishing seemed to have broken the paralyzing spell she felt had held her, and now Aziwa heard her own scream echo around her. She fell to her knees, putting a hand over her pounding heart, trembling. Later, she wouldn't be able to recall how long she'd remained there, kneeling on the ground outside her new home, trying to process what she'd just seen, reliving the memory of the nun's head disappearing over and over. Finally, Aziwa rose to her feet and ventured back inside the house, shaking and pouring with sweat, and she heard the little girl's cry again. The pain in the cry was indescribable, and she felt such a deep sorrow that she herself now fell to the floor and burst into tears. When she stopped crying, she was worried. Was she going mad? Aziwa now was starting to doubt her sense of reality. Was she imagining these things? She was alone. Was the lack of sleep and company causing hallucinations? Whatever was happening, she knew it was caused by the house. Aziwa felt a deep sense of wrongness in the air. She'd felt it since her first night, but she tried so hard to ignore it because she wanted so badly to live in the big, beautiful house on the hill with the breathtaking view of the harbor. But now she had to let her dream go. She had to leave. The next day, Aziwa left the house to stay with her family, and she never returned. And she never experienced anything paranormal tormenting her again. Dragon Lodge now once again sat abandoned and fell into disrepair. Rumors of the house being haunted spread around the area. Locals were scared to use certain bus stops for fear of having to walk past the place and hear the crying girl's ghost or see the spectral headless nun. The house finally sold in 1997 and again the new owners didn't stay long. They quickly moved out unexpectedly and left the house abandoned. East Team International Development then purchased the property in 2004. In 2010, the company made an effort to restore the property, but allegedly, work was quickly halted when contractors felt they were being driven insane with apparitions and the sound of a young child crying. 
This company seems to still own the property, but they never did resume and complete renovations. Today, Dragon Lodge still sits alone and abandoned, the gray cinder block worn and now discolored. Invasive plants have grown up the walls and into the windows. The new owners have uh, put barbed wire fences around the property to fend off urban explorers and graffiti artists, but some still get in. And every now and then, they report strange sounds and sights coming from the house. Are the lost souls of murdered nuns still trapped there, trapped there along with the spirit of a young girl whose pained cries might never be answered? I mean, I just don't think that you get to decapitate nuns and think that they're not coming back for you. Of all the people to kill. Yee. I mean... Mm-mm. No way. I had a, a great aunt, I guess. My grandfather's mm-hmm. sister was a nun. Uh-huh. Nuns are like a little intense. I mean, I don't know uh, what they're like now. Be, I think. Well, yeah. And it's like, listen, oh, Sister Gretchen, she was my principal at my grade school growing up, and I loved her, and she was so great and so nice to me. Yeah. I don't think she was like that with everyone. Yeah. But like, just the sternness of her face was enough to like fucking make you like pull your shit together. <laughs> And then my, uh, my dad, my dad, my, uh, grandfather's sister. Yeah. Just like, I don't know. It's so hmm, intense. We'll just yeah. say it's intense. And like, we would go, we would go see her. We would get to visit her at the nunnery. And it's like, it's just a wild place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I was raised religious. And so I remember thinking like, how do you my best behavior? God is everywhere here like i really thought god was like really really specifically there Mm -hmm. as if that's the belief of catholics like god is everywhere like he's not necessarily more in this place than he is in that place yeah yeah but as a child i was like this is where he's gonna get me Mm -hmm. and they just carry that weight right so then if you decapitate these people who have dedicated their whole life to god oh he's they're coming for you (laughs) i mean i saw that coming a mile away i was like "Mm -mm -mm -mm, bad idea Bad juju. Bad juju. Uh, I got a few pictures. Bad, bad Jesus. Bad Jesus. I got a few pictures. Uh, this first old photo of Dragon Lodge with a view of Victoria Harbor behind it. I mean, beautiful, but I, there's <clears> no <throat> way in hell you could pay me to live there, stay there, anything that's too uh, remote. Yeah, just up on the hill by itself. Like, I mean, when you pull out, I mean, that's an old picture. Now there's just like, um, it reminds me of like parts of the Hollywood Hills. Like there are just houses mm. scattered around just the terrain. It's so steep. Right. There can't be uh, house after house after house after house. Right, right, right. But there's a decent smattering up on the hill there. Still makes me anxious. I could not live in a giant house by myself. Mm, yeah, solo. Uh, this is a more recent photo of the lodge. I mean, it is a really cool property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not the best view of the harbor. This next picture is a, uh, a better pick of the view you would get on a less misty day. Wow. Well, that's beautiful. Now I get it. Mm-hmm. And then this is a very recent pick showing the current sad state of the property. So it's oh, you know, pretty beat man. up now. And this is a one final yeah, creepy recent shot of one of the rooms inside Dragon Lodge. Just gross. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, dirty. really fell into a state of disrepair. Oh, it's so sad. And like for mm-hmm. a big company to make that kind of acquisition, right? I'm sure it wasn't cheap. And then they thought yeah. they were going to restore it. it probably turned it into like a hotel or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's crazy that they just stopped. Like, yeah. Right. Like when I think about if I owned a big company and that was what we did, we make, made these big acquisitions for the purpose of restoring it for whatever end result. Yeah. You don't just stop. So, like, it must have been really bad. How do you go to the CEO mm-hmm. of someone going to be like, hey. It's too haunted for us to continue. My guys are scared. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go back. 
Totally. No way. And I bet that went on for a while, but there were several crews that went through there before they were like, okay, something is up. But it doesn't sound like anybody tried to clear the space. Like, why don't you bring in a shaman? Why don't you mm-hmm. do something to try and see if you can release those spirits and let them go have peace? Yeah, I don't know. She was smart, though. She did GTFO, and I was very proud of her for that. <laughs> she, she got out after she, uh, seeing that stuff. She did. Yeah. The c- crying is specifically so haunting. Yes. Yes. That you know? would be a very creepy thing to hear as you're like laying in bed. Uh, and just like, yeah, just so alarming where, especially as like a parent, it, you, you have that natural instinct to uh-huh. want to like comfort a crying child. Mm-hmm. And if you're hearing some just disembodied voice in the darkness oh crying, God. I mean, yeah, that would really torment you. Yeah. I mean, just like. I'm a nurturer, mm-hmm. and so just like anybody crying, child, adult, any, I'm just like, oh, what can I do for you? I guess crying better than threatening, though. Like if there's a menacing sound. Yes. Get out, get out, get out. Like some like weird, creepy thing. Yeah. If, if I had to listen to that, you know, just get out. Some like, crazy, weird voice. Or just like, you know, uh, crying. Yeah. Both. Not. I would rather not let, hear either one, mm-hmm. but crying would probably be easier to take. Your scary voice that you just did yeah. just made me think it might be time to prank one of the kids again. <laughs> like maybe enough time has passed. Oh yeah, maybe Monroe this time. Oh, yeah, Sneak, find that little speaker, sneak it into her room. I know because she is pretty into horror movies now. Mm. Hmm. But the get out, get out, get out. Maybe this time, rather than try to find on Spotify just like some like looping, I just record. That's what I'm suggesting. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I thought that that was clear. Or yeah. ooh, ooh, this could be really fun. And like a trip somewhere. Like we went out, we went to Seattle over the weekend to look at some colleges yeah. for Kyler. What if, oh, this is so great. What if we could bug the kids' hotel room? Because <laughs> like, you know, now that they're big kids and they need their own room, we often have like a shared kind of thing. Uh-huh. So Sneak what, a little speaker into the, one of their rooms. Yeah, like send them. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, can you run down to CVS and get some bottled water for the room? And, and while they're in. gone. <gasps> we have <laughs> nothing on the books in the near future, but I'm thinking this is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Emerson, if you're watching, do not tell them. <laughs> That's our nephew. Yeah. And I can't have him ruining this. This is mm-hmm. a great idea. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready to get so spooked? I am. I also wish I had, I my energy level, I feel like, is about a four, mm-hmm. and you're at a 10, and I'm very jealous. Okay. Well, be- I think it's because of my new diet. Mm-hmm. I'm not drinking. Mm-hmm. I'm not eating dairy. I'm really not eating any, like, gluten. I'm basically just living on like vegetables and protein and vitamins. And I feel really good. My sleep is better. Mm -hmm. It's so annoying because it's like, I love a cocktail. I love a good cocktail. Mm -hmm. I'm dreaming of Jeff Wilson's Corpse Reviver. Like, (laughs) oh my God, I love it so much. But I sleep so much better without it. I feel so much more alert, more focused. I just, yeah. Good, good, good job. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'll try to contain my wellness. I think I just, well, I've also, I started working out more and I worked out this morning and then I just, I didn't, I just didn't eat enough. My, my, uh, I've been working out more and I mm-hmm. just need to kick up. So I just. Are you so hungry right now? Yeah, but it's not the thing where it's like, I feel shaky or anything. No. It's just like, when you get that hunger, we, then it just makes you feel sleepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, and it's such a weird thing. Do with you need recording. some water? No, 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 I'm okay. Uh, it's just that weird thing where like when we're recording, I it's know. like, well, do I eat something and risk feeling a little sluggish because right. I'm digesting something or do I not eat? Cause I felt like, of course, an hour before the show, I was like, energy is right where I want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think I let some tech stuff just get him. It, it was like that, a morning of like, God damn it. God damn it. Like, like mm-hmm. one thing after another, well, that's not working. Okay. I'll try this. Well, that's not mm-hmm. working. 
Dan got a new computer and it's like really it's just a setup and we've mm-hmm. had some other yeah well and it could be I mean you've had a corrupt file on a computer for like years this is different though this is just some Google problems we're having oh, we're having a variety of Google problems ay 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 all their all syncing and it just syncs all our computers out. in weird ways and then you don't know whose passwords on whose computers and, mm-hmm. and then Google stole the time suck feed mm-hmm. which is like a very interesting thing if you guys listen on Google Podcasts please don't I hate Google Podcast players so much it's, it's not the player it's like the back end of it they literally will allow anyone to steal the feed which it, it, is like more complicated than it's worth explaining but yeah. like if you could just not listen if, on that it literally would be really great literally every other podcast player it's like you know you decide you you export your feed of your show mm-hmm. out to all these other places and if somebody like copied all your stuff and then duplicated it well then there'd be like a copyright strike you'd go after them but it's different where with google where it just has bots it has all these little mm-hmm. robots that just like monitor all these feeds and if somebody knows how to hack right they can make the little bots think that their version of your show is the correct version and right. yours isn't and it doesn't ask you for a password permission it's so weird uh, and you're it, it just all of a sudden it's like nope this is the one and it just switches over and then you have to like submit this ticket it happened once before yep and it's just like guys just why do you do that you're the only podcast player on earth that does that system i know i know but whatever okay well, yeah and it's so hard to come into a recording when you know all of that's happening in the background because as try as yeah. you might to push it out i, I try i try oh, and, no, and i feel fine now no i know i know yeah. i know I'm, I'm giving credit to what you're yeah. saying or credence to what you're saying where it's like you know it's like uh having a fight with your spouse before work and then having to go to work and give a big presentation <laughs> it's you you can be yeah. here and it's hard but every so often your brain goes to like damn it. Oh, damn you google i got to deal with you later but i'm good but i'm okay good. All right, so, are you sure you yeah. don't want some water or anything no okay if, if you could eat on mic that would be great oh so you can God. have a little some snack some people right do now. that and it blows me away blows me away blows me away where i i've seen i, I hold think my breath i want to say here. it was Topher grace no. Yes, a good and he was on, I think it was Whitney Cummings' podcast, and he was going to town on a sandwich. A sandwich? And I'm just like, oh, you just don't care. Because it's like so like... Right. I'm just going to do that once just so you get the effect. Oh, it was intense. But I think that's that point where if you're, you reach a certain level of like fame or like money, yeah, you just don't care about certain events. Well, it read that way to me of like, whatever. No, like, I, you know what I think it is just yeah. having been in that world enough is mm. that his handlers, no one has the balls to tell him, hey man, you can't do that. Because I don't yeah, know get, what it is. You get is. in a weird echo chamber where everyone's like, everything you, do is, everything you do is great. You're great. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're mm-hmm. intelligent. No, you can say whatever you want. It's okay. <laughs> you can, And it's like, no, they're just people. Yeah. And I assure you, nine times out of 10, they would like to know if they're being an asshole. Yeah. But no one wants to be the person to say like, hey, if you could not, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, I still feel if, if even like a, a burp slips out of nowhere, I try so hard not to make weird sounds on mic. I know. I know you. You make your best effort. I do. Okay. 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 I feel. Okay. I feel very ready to hear your stories. Okay. I, sorry for the weird uh, uh, deviation there. Uh huh. You know what? Um, mm. my guy Greg, Greg, at it's like Tater Katater or something. He has the funniest handle. Um, he the guy that I was talking about. Yeah, in the, I don't know his name, but yeah. I know what you're talking about. But he says Ada Greg, and I love oh, it. Oh, it's I, I digress. It. It's so funny. I know you love that guy. I love him. He's so funny. He's not. A, he's not. He's not my cup of tea. As far Whatever. As I've showed you some of them and you have laughed. Yeah, he uh, but I could yeah. Let's You don't need to do it all day every day. It's just some yeah. of them are so funny. I love him. I'm gonna be friends with him. Okay. I'm gonna find him. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So back to Cuba, mm-hmm. kind of. Cuba making their way to America. And I just want to say, like, it is the overarching theme is like stressful. Okay. But when you get to the end, you're like, oh, what happened? In my opinion. Okay. Oh my God, do you have a squishy over there? I do. 
I didn't see it for a second. I thought I like, oh, <laughs> what color is it? Is it purple? purple? Oh, cute. Oh my God. We're, well, no, I thought I had purple on Evan Blue. I thought we were like matching. For shame. Are you ready? I am. Hey, Dan and Lindsay. I was introduced to your podcast by a coworker of mine, specifically the episode with the story about Cuban Santeria. You see, I myself am Cuban and was very excited to listen to a story about my people in a space where they are rarely represented. She assured me I would like the story, but she was wrong. I loved it. That one and every single creepy tale that has been burning my Spotify since then. Indeed, the list of unplayed, scared to death episodes keeps getting shorter and shorter by the hour. I've always been a bit of a creeper, but I myself have never experienced anything, nor do I think I want the opportunity to. So this is not my story, but rather my uncle's. My uncle, whose name will remain anonymous to respect his privacy, is the most down-to-earth person you'll ever meet. He's been a factory worker for years here in the U.S., and back home in Cuba, he was a carpenter. He still has a landline and a flip phone, and he's definitely not known for telling stories or making things up. Could just imagine my reaction when I heard what I'm about to share with you years ago. I was speechless, and the feeling of it has always stayed with me. I couldn't recall some of the more important details, and I decided to give my uncle a call to ask if it was okay with him for me to share his story. I'm not sure he knows what a podcast is, but he gave me his permission to record our conversation and send it to, quote, my little radio show. The following is the transcript of his side of the call. I left our meeting spot when it was still nighttime. Nobody but your aunt, who's already living in Florida, knew that I was leaving. My mom and dad would have had a heart attack if they knew I was about to board a makeshift boat to America. The people coordinating the escape told us we could only bring one small bag with us. I grabbed a couple of water bottles, a sandwich, and a few important documents. By 1 a.m., there were nine of us, hiding behind some bushes, water to our knees, anxiously waiting for the boat. Margarita, a pretty young, dark-haired woman, and Antonio, her son, were close by me. Like me, they had family living in the U.S. Everyone was nervous because, well, you know how it is. At any point, the Cuban Coast Guard could show up, and we'd for sure vanish from the face of the earth forever. At about 3 a.m., we heard the boat approaching. One of the guys flashed a light a few times to signal our location. We quietly boarded off, we quietly boarded, and off we went. The boat, if you could call it that, seemed like it was made out of many different boats, a Frankenstein of a boat, if you will. The motor sounded like we were sailing on a washing machine. The farther we got away from the shore, the more relaxed each person got, some joking about their fear of being caught, some voicing their plans for when they finally arrived in the USA. A few hours passed, but we could already see the American shore. I swear, it was like you could taste freedom. The boat couldn't have been more than 30 miles away when the motor began smoking and making horrible sounds. It didn't help that the water was now not as calm as when we first took off, and suddenly I heard a loud bang. And before I knew it, I was catapulted through the air like an action figure. The boat, as we knew it, was gone, pieces scattered all over. I got lucky because I was sitting the furthest from the cabin, but others weren't so lucky. In the confusion, I saw of their, some of their faces between the waves, and I heard the screams and calls for God. But one by one, the voices and the faces disappeared into the darkness of the waters below me. I absolutely thought that I was going to be one of the thousands of bodies that lie at the bottom of that 90-mile stretch of sea. I pulled myself together and began swimming towards some of the wreckage, hoping to find something to hold on to. The Lord must have heard my cries for help because I found a ring buoy floating towards me. A few moments had passed when I heard a loud cry from behind me. My heart nearly stopped when I saw Margarita 
and Antonio holding onto another ring buoy. She was distraught, which I expected. Antonio looked unconscious. Is he okay? I shouted. She didn't speak, but nodded a few times. We have to keep swimming, okay? We need to stay alive, okay? Once again, she didn't speak, but nodded. After that, it seemed like time stood still. We were at the mercy of the Caribbean Sea and the scorching sun. The thoughts invading my mind were terrifying, and the hope of getting out of this alive came and went with every wave. Margarita and Antonio were a few feet behind me. I could hear her softly singing lullabies to him. I thought how difficult it must be for her to have to put her son's safety first. You should save your energy and keep your mouth closed. You don't want to get gulps of seawater down your throat, I told her once again, without caring if my words came out rude. But she continued to sing to him, and I just let it go. More and more time passed. We were basically floating. We had no strength left to swim. Then, in the distance, a dark shape was approaching fast. My eyes were burning, but they were clear enough to see it was a boat coming our way. We had been saved. I began to scream and swing my arms. Margarita, we are saved! I shouted, and she smiled. Antonio still looked unconscious, and for a moment, a thought crept into my mind. Was he even alive? Had she been holding on to her dead child this whole time? My thoughts were interrupted by a loud honk from the boat and an unfamiliar voice through a megaphone. I don't know what he was saying because my English was even worse then than it is now, but I could tell that he and the rest of the crew were on a mission to help us. They deployed a rope ladder for me, and one of the men jumped into the water to help Margarita and Antonio. When the, main, when the man came back on board, he was holding the boy in his arms, calling to the others for help. He was alive. Where's Margarita? Where's the woman? I frantically shouted at the man. He looked at me confused. Sir, please calm down. One of the men said in a language I recognized. I asked him if he spoke Spanish, and he nodded. Sir, please, the boy's mother. She was with him. Where is she? Sir, the boy was alone. He responded. It was just you and him. No, I shouted angrily. She'd been with me the whole time. Our boat exploded and everyone else died. Just her, the boy, and myself survived. Please find her. Sir, we spotted you and the boy through our binoculars way before we got here. There was no one else. We assumed the boy didn't drift away from you because he was tied to you by a rope or something. I shouted once again, there was no rope. He didn't drift away because she was swimming, holding on to him, holding on to the buoy. At last, they sent out two divers, and they looked for about an hour and found absolutely nothing. Once we got to the shore and I was examined by a doctor, I was told that I had probably experienced some kind of hallucination. The doctor said that he, though, had similarly heard these strange stories from Cuban rafters over the years. It didn't take long for the police to find Antonio's family. Margarita had so brilliantly sewn a laminated piece of paper with the family's address and phone number into Antonio's shirt. I was still being detained in the same building when her cousin came to pick him up. They stopped in my cell before they left. Antonio was asleep in a stroller. With a teary voice, she thanked me for saving, An for saving Antonio and asked me if I could tell her about our tra tragic accident. I told her everything but omitted details about me seeing Margarita. When I was done, she looked at me confused and said, That's so weird. Antonio said his mom was with him the whole time, that she was singing to him while he slept. I confessed the truth and told her what, what they had, that they had looked for her and couldn't find her, and that the doctor had said I had hallucinated. Nah, she said with a soft scuff. I knew my cousin well, and that sounds just like her. She gave me her phone number and told me if I ever wanted to talk to Antonio, she would have no problem with it but it's been decades since and I never did call. And that was my uncle's story. 
I have to confess that I don't believe in much, but I definitely definitely believe him. And I'm sure that if there's anything strong enough that can hold onto a spirit land of the a, a spirit in the land of the living long enough to save a child, well, that's the supernatural power of a mother's love. That's crazy. So sad, but so creepy and weird. Mm-hmm. That you could hang on in this world to mm-hmm. like save your kid. I know. Like it just, it, I mean, it was definitely like me. I mean, the story makes me sad, mm-hmm. but like if I'm this person's uncle, yeah. like if, if, if I wouldn't have, uh, ran into the cousin afterwards for the cousin to say, yeah, but Antonio said his mom was with him. Mm-hmm. I would definitely believe the doctor is like shock. I was in complete shock. Right. And I definitely hallucinated this, but between the, the coast guard saying like, no, he was tied to you. And this guy being like, no, he wasn't. He was never tied to me. There was nothing tied around me. What are you talking about? Right. They right. were on one buoy. I was on this buoy. What are you saying? That would be enough for me to be like, okay, mm-hmm. I don't know. But then the and then Antonio saying that his mom, yeah, that he was sleeping, and that his mom was singing to him the whole time. Come on. <sighs> yeah, that's crazy. Uh uh-uh. Right. Hmm. That was a good story. I mean, sad story. Yes. Good, good paranormal story. Yeah. Sad, but you know. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I, I do like the ones that aren't, um, you know, like uh, it's a loving spirit. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. Uh, not some horrible apparition, not some monster, not nothing malevolent. Right. Just something from some other place trying to help someone here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that is like such a treacherous journey to get here. And mm-hmm. the, all the fear that you must go into that with, to begin with, of being caught, of being you know, sent back, of being tortured, mm-hmm. of being killed, of your ship capsizing. Ship, I say lightly. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. But all the the things that could happen, and then the worst case scenario does happen. Right. And to be a survivor and survivor's guilt. I don't know. It's just like so many layers of emotion. Mm-hmm. And then to have this weird paranormal experience on top of it. No yeah. way you ever, ever forget that. True. Eek. Eek. Eechy wow. <laughs> do you want to talk about aliens? I do. Yeah, we haven't talked about them for so long here. So long, and I was like racking my brain. I don't know the the last alien esque story that I can remember was like um some kids playing hide and go seek. Not recently, like in a basement, but it was like outside. This family lived like I don't remember where, and they had a couple of kids, and the neighborhood kids came over, and they were all playing hide and go seek outside. And yes, you know, and and it was like yeah. what is out there, but right. But I don't necessarily know that that was, it wasn't alien abduction, which is what this is. Yeah. And that one, I think it was just like, who knows what it was? Alien spirits. Yeah. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. But that was, yeah, that was a, yeah. We've never had like an abduction fan story. I don't think. No. And what I, I mean, I I don't know. We've told so many stories now. It's hard to honestly remember. Somebody will tell us. I promise you. I know. I don't think we have. I think I've told all the abduction stories. Yeah. What I should have done that you did, which was so smart, I guess you just know from years of doing Time Suck, is that you have like a a document that's like, Mm -hmm. you know, episode one, story one, this, story two, that, just like a brief. And I should have done that. And now it feels too late. Well, it does. I could start now. Yeah, you have to go back and yeah, comb through all the every episode. Or I could just start now, going forward. <laughs> oh, I see, going forward. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it is helpful because yeah, you get especially when, for me at least, you know, working on so many times like stories and so many stories here, mm-hmm. and then I know that even like like Sophie, one of our you know like writers mm-hmm. and producers, like she's worked on both shows and she occasionally will still submit and she's familiar. Like I know mm-hmm. she listens and works on them and she will submit like, hey, what do you think about that story? And I'm like, no, we did that in episode 11. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of, because it, 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 and it's not nothing bad that she's doing, but it's like, it 
the the well obviously the longer the show goes mm-hmm. the greater the pile of previous stories you've told yeah it's and, harder to find something new something original and sometimes you're like oh my god this sounds like such a great horror story i'm gonna mm-hmm. look into this uh you know for something for you to talk about on scared to death and then it's like oh wait we did we do that because you get yeah. so excited about it like i have i have almost written a fan story into an episode Multiple times. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. And it's just because I forgot to move it into the next file, which is Mm -hmm. used stories. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, that was great. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know that story because you already told it twice. (laughs) Thank thank God for keyword searches. Thank God. If if that wasn't a thing, it would be so tedious. Yeah. It would just get so um, time consuming Mm -hmm. to like verify if you had told the story before or not. Yeah. Oh, so whoever invented that, well done. Well done, somebody at Apple. <laughs> yeah, somebody. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't want to thank anybody at Google because I'm annoyed Fuck at them. Em. But maybe it was somebody at Google. Fuck them. Probably wasn't. There's <laughs> or, no or way. Microsoft. Who knows? Who Some knows? nerd. Uh, Some great nerd. Rude. I don't or... think nerd's a bad word. Hmm. Okay. Some fantastic nerd. Well, I'm pretty nerdy, so that's fine. Uh, okay. So what I was saying before is that. Part of what I think gives so much credence to the story is that the person sharing the story, I have a burp in the back of my throat, so that's my oh, hesitation. Man, I, I, I pass it to you. I know. It, it is a weird thing. It's contagious, just like coughing <laughs> or yawning. Mm-hmm. You're like, dang it. Um, this uh, the, the writer of this story is a veteran. And I know, okay. okay, like, listen, that doesn't mean that like every veteran everywhere, every law enforcement person is, uh, you know, always going to tell the truth or mm-hmm. anything like that. But overarching, when I think of someone in the military or someone in law enforcement, I think of someone fact-based. Right. Like, they're less likely to be someone to be like, well, I'm into crystals, I'm into the hippy-dippy, I'll explore yeah. any. They're like, nope, things are black and white, is how I feel. Okay, yeah, just a greater tendency to be more more logical. I don't want to say even logical. It's not like you're illogical if you believe in this stuff. But you don't no, know, yeah, so like I, science-based or I don't mm-hmm, know, just fact-based. Believe when I see it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you think about all the things that, like, a soldier— may see in war Mm -hmm. like you are probably the most jaded Mm -hmm. because you have Mm -hmm. seen the how horrific humanity can be Mm -hmm. so to me it's like you are less likely to believe something that you can't prove that you can't touch i see where you're coming from okay here we go they get right into it i dig it love the show have listened to every episode this story covers a span of 30 years but don't despair it will not be nearly as long as you think Quick background in bullet format. I love this person. (laughs) Married for 37 years to a lady I've known since we were 10. Uh, Five children. Five sons or daughter-in-laws. Eight grandchildren. Wow. College graduate. Retired Marine and retired law enforcement. Graduated high school early. Retired from the Marine Corps at 37. Now employed as a surgical technician at a small rural hospital. Wow. Good for this person. I know. I like dig their like. Yeah. I'm very into them. We live near Lake Tahoe, Nevada. In an area that until recently was very rural, which I totally get. We live in an area that wasn't mm-hmm, that populated. Mm-hmm. My attitude about the paranormal, open-minded skeptic. Okay. On to the story. About 30 years ago, it was 3 a.m. I was heading to work and saw what looked like a shooting star. I pulled off the side of the road to watch it. I was riding a motorcycle. Using Jobs Peak Mountain as a guide, I estimate the object to have reached an elevation of about 1,500 feet. It was rather close to my location perhaps a quarter of a mile. I recall thinking, wow, if this object impacts the ground, I might be able to recover a fragment. Mm -hmm. No sooner than that thought had entered my mind when the object changed direction and shot back up into the air. It was not leaving a significant tail. To give you a visual, it it had left a lasting tail 
To give you a visual, if it had left a lasting tail, it would have looked like a V in the sky. At this point, one of three things happened. The object was either traveling so fast, it was out of sight in about five seconds, it shut down its source of illumination, or it blinked out of existence. Whatever the object was, it made no sound. Hmm. Many people reporting encounters like this state they experienced feelings of abject terror or overwhelming benevolence. I felt none of that. Just more like a, uh, okay, that was really weird. Fast forward to this time last year. It was about midnight, and I took our little dog out to go potty. I, <laughs> I love looking up at the stars, so as my dog Bella, a chihuahua wiener dog mix, was doing her thing, I was looking up, enjoying the stars. I observed a craft moving from the west to the east, quite slowly. I noted a green light on the top, a red light on the bottom. It is important to note that these lights were steady, not flashing. Hmm. Additionally, there was a white light pointing in my direction, not at me, just in my direction. I did not give this much thought, as we do have a small airport seven miles north of my position. However, as I looked down at Bella, something in my mind said, wait, what you saw does not add up. I looked back up to observe the lights with a more critical mind. It was as if it was a standard aircraft. I should not be able to see... Oh, if this was a standard aircraft, I should not be able to see both. What I assumed were navigation lights. Unless the craft was in a sharp, banked turn heading towards me. And mm -hmm. since I could see what I assumed was the landing light. The only other explanation would have been a helicopter with a rotating spotlight. The problem with this explanation is multiple. First, this object was not moving towards me. It was moving from my right to my left, or as stated earlier, west to east. Secondly, the object was a quarter to a third of a mile away and approximately 700 feet in elevation. With that proximity, I would have heard the engine be I would have heard the engine be it an airplane or a helicopter, but I heard absolutely nothing. Remember, we're still in a somewhat rural area. I observed the object for approximately a minute. It was moving very slowly. Bella, stall speed. Oh, below. St I, I can't talk. <laughs> I, I observed I that to you as well. Thank you. I observed the object for approximately a minute. It was moving very slowly below stall speed for an airplane. Mm. Then, as with the earlier sighting, it either turned off its lights, moved so fast I could not observe it, or simply blinked out of existence. As with my earlier observation, I really felt nothing other than, that's odd. Mm -hmm. Now, we again fast forward about a month. I'm, I am that kind of annoying person who wakes up instantly, gets dressed, and heads out immediately to accomplish whatever tasks need to be done <laughs> before heading to work. I wake up because I'm cold. Here's the kicker. I'm standing in the middle of our one-acre background. My clothing is askew. Shirt, and bu shirt buttons are offset by three. My fly is down. My waist button secured. Belt undone. One pant leg tucked into my boots. One hanging down over my boots. It takes me at least three minutes to fully comprehend where I am. My mind is racing. Why am I out here? How did I get here? Why are my clothes messed up? It's cold. Why don't I have my jacket? I walk toward the back door, but it's locked. So I move to the garage door. It too is locked. I pass through a gate, go around to the front door. You guessed it, locked. I knock on the door. My wife, who wakes before me, opens the door with a confused look on her face and begins to ask, how did you? Entering our home, I reply, I don't know. I don't know what happened. 
my wife asked me, how did you get past me and go outside without me seeing or hearing you leave? Why don't you have your keys? It's cold. Why aren't you wearing your winter jacket? I held up a hand, palm out, indicating, just wait. I gathered my thoughts and replied, I really don't know. I have no idea why I'm dressed like this or how I got outside. My wife seemed uncomfortable and has not asked me any more about it since the event. It should be noted, with the layout of our home, it would be nearly impossible for me to have gotten outside without her hearing or seeing me. Additionally, I have zero history of sleepwalking. Although an open-minded skeptic, I am a paranormal enthusiast. I understand very well what these circumstances suggest may have happened. Sadly, this is where I disappoint you and the listeners. (laughs) It's been a year now. My wife and I have not noticed anything unusual, no marks or scars, no change in my behavior or interests. Lastly, no impressions, dreams, or flashes of what, if anything, happened to me. So that's my story. What happened? I have no idea. Could I have slept walked for the very first time in my life? Sure, it's possible. Could I have gotten past my wife? Although unlikely, it is not beyond the realm of believability. I have a sense, though, something happened. But what that is, your guess, is as good as mine. I hope you enjoyed the story and keep up the good work. And they didn't leave a name, right? No, both stories are anonymous yeah, today. Yeah, anonymous in that one. Yeah, because I, I mean, I would, probably some people would suggest, I would not. It's like, oh, I'd be tempted to suggest like hip, hypnosi- uh, hypnosis uh-huh. regression therapy, I think it's called. Uh-huh. But it's like uh, when they were trying to recover like lost memories uh-huh. uh, under hypnosis, but it's proven to be very unreliable. Well, and also then why wouldn't he say I was in hypnotic therapy? No, I would suggest so he can figure out what happened. Like he should try oh, that. I was like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. I would suggest he try that to, to like try and get to, to, to try and get to the bottom yeah. of what happened. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of people have done that, and they've just proven like this false memory syndrome. It's um, right. You just kind of believe you end up yeah, rem- the, remembering what you want to remember. Yeah, and like basically, like like a, the the hypnotist, the therapist mm-hmm. can kind of just lead you into whatever. Like they can just build memories with you. Yeah, you know, like yeah, which is what you're saying. Yeah, which is a bummer because if that worked and was more reliable like they used to think it was, mm-hmm. that would be the perfect way to try and like, you know, tap into wh- what you may have been thinking at that time. But but that's crazy because uh, that's a weird series of events, you know? And, and I mm-hmm. wanted to say like, my, my mind went to drone uh, at first. Oh, sure. Because they can be very quiet, uh-huh. but they don't blip out like that, mm-hmm. you know? And then and then to have the the very weird just coming to out in this field behind your house, mm-hmm. you know, and having no idea how you got there when you have zero history of sleepwalking. Yep. Not long after those, you know, the uh, first two encounters, when you put it all together, mm-hmm. yeah, like like if I'm him, I would have the same reaction he is, where mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I can't prove anything. I don't know for sure, but it sure seems like something happened. Well, yeah, because think about, okay, we don't live on a huge piece of property. I mean, it sounds like they're on like an acre lot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we have like a decent sized backyard. We don't live that far from a private airport. Mm-hmm. And I hear planes going over, you yep. know, every now and again. So, night. so I just put you and I into this scenario. Mm-hmm. I wake up before you, which is true. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'm up. I'm getting ready to leave for my workout. And then I, you're, you're. At the oh front door. God. First of all, I scream because yeah. I'm like, who the fuck is knocking at the front door? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you come in and you're all disheveled because uh, yeah. you are not a disheveled person. Like you, you know, you're not like somebody who like that you see, you're like, my God, he's always got food on him or whatever. You know, like yeah. some people are just kind of always a mess. And then when I think about this person who's military, mm-hmm. so you know, when he gets dressed, it's like fucking that shirt is tucked in, buttoned up, like 
I mean, yeah. the way that he gets out of bed and like hops to it and does a bunch right. of things before it's like, yeah, that mil- military training clearly yeah. stuck with him and he hasn't rebelled against it since his retirement. Yeah. So this is somebody who is like neat, clean, put together, mm-hmm. organized, on task to find that kind of person. Right. Unable to get in the house. This is not the kind of person that would ever lock themselves out. This is not the kind of person who would ever leave without keys. Like they're just militant, no yeah, pun intended, about what they do, about their actions, their choices. So that guy mm-hmm. to be outside, disheveled, locked out, middle of the fucking like late night, early morning. Yeah. It freaks me out. Yeah, because I wasn't just sleepwalking. That would have to be, you know, if, if you're going with that route, it's sleep getting dressed. Uh-huh. You know, putting clothes on, walking way out there, then waking up with have no no idea like where you were. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's unlikely. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like this doesn't sound like the kind of person who's going to hold back details. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there's no mention of drug or alcohol use, I'm guessing right. they either don't use that often or don't use it all. Yeah. So it's like there's no like oh, but also I get high all the time. <laughs> And, you know, and, and even, even then, high, yeah, like that doesn't weird. cause me to do that stuff. Yeah. Story opens up. <gasps> oh my God. Story opens Jesus up. Jesus Christ, Lindsay. Story opens Joe up. You scared me. I know. And then you scared me. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, I'll just stop now. No. Yeah. I'll just so, say the story opens up. So I was doing shrooms in the desert. Yeah. Right. And they're like, okay, well, yeah, never yeah, mind yeah. about the flying thing. Right. There, there's your answer. I was a Joshua tree <laughs> on shrooms. Right. Woo, Joe. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> I, I, we were just talking about how I haven't scared you in a long time. Yeah, well, that was an unintentional go. one. Unintentional jump scare. Yeah. All right, Ooh. here we go, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whew. yeah. Whew. <laughs> that was a lot. My <laughs> heart is racing. Do, while you calm down, do you want me to thank some Annabelles? No, I'll do it first. Okay, you didn't do it first? Yeah, I'll go first. I'd like to thank the following Annabelles for their support on Patreon and for helping us to donate to this month's charity, NOLA Community Fridges. Oh, Persephone. Nick Turch, Chris Belsky, Melissa Pedro, Kendra Lynn Ball, Leslie and Jason Wood, Jessica Pickle, Morgan Bradford, and she probably hates that. Jessica, Jessica Pickle? Pickle? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're in a real pickle. She's like, yep, I've heard every pickle joke. Or is that a nickname? Does anyone actually have the last name of Pickle? Sure, why not? I don't know. Somebody's last name could also be Cheeseburger. Like, who are I you? I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, <laughs> Jessica, I'm going to validate your last name. You could let us know if it's real. Timothy Myers, Peter Crosby. Did I say Megan Bradford? You distracted me. Uh, Zenia Klein, Shaney Santana, Amisha Jennings, Jessica Cobb, William Thomason. This is great. Bicep, Biceps McBignob <laughs> and Rebecca. Sweet. Billy Lee, Nicole Smith, Danny Smith, Hey Red, uh, Megan T, Megan, Megan T, Joshua Cates, Blake Palm, Victor Johnson, and Tiana Peters. Thank you, Annabelles. And uh, I want to thank the following Annabelles as well. Andy Weeks, Cruz Vargas, Danny Locklear, Jacob Buss, Mariah Blake, Colby Cook, Stephanie Gibby, Dela Faye Dooley, Jessica Taylor, Amanda Magia, uh, Alan Valletta, uh, Jesus Marquez, Gavin Browning, Kirsten Credman, Dan Humphrey, Luann Byborg, uh, Griffin Clary, Zane Swanger, Morgan Winner. Uh, I wonder if that's a real last name. Winner. Sure Mr. Not. Winner. Sure, why not? Uh, it's a good one. If it's real, uh, Heather Ogle, Derek Korth, Candice Bow, uh, mm. Bowblitz, 
Uh, split in time. I'm just going to say a hard no for that being a real name. Why not? No one's named Split in Time. No. Uh, uh, Eric Westermark and Viri Tursa. I just like get really vehement about all names being real names. Like, I have no to get a new what, thing with you. Like, no matter no, what they write. It it's like, what was that one? Like Butter McStink Pants or something? Like, yeah, it's like, real, no. Of course that's his name. Obviously. Obviously it's Mr. Mr. McStink Pants to you. Have respect for Mr. McStink Pants. <laughs> <laughs> I have the following Shuby Spout Outs. Shuby? Shuby Spout Outs. <laughs> that's awesome. That's like I say Sparking Pots. Look, there's a good Sparking Pot. To Bummer from your big sister, Austy. Happy birthday. To Tucker from Tyler. Congrats on baby Stevie. To Matt from Haley, happy 26th birthday, I love you. To Mare Rex from Hez Rex, sorry for the childhood trauma with the fake severed heads, the nightgown ghosts, and the hidden toads, I love you. <laughs> you sound like you could be in our family, so that's great. <sighs> to Mike from Jessica, I love you, happy birthday and happy anniversary. And to Shannon from Philip, happy anniversary. Oh, I love this poopy shoutouts. Uh, and that is our show. Thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith and Liz Hernandez for their work on social media and to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com. Thanks to Joe Paisley for producing and directing, Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation, Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, and to book editor Drew Atana for helping format the listener stories you hear each week. Uh, thanks to so uh, producer Sophie Evans once again for finding today's first story and again to Sarah Finch and Olivia Lee for working on the second. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers and hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death.